Coming up on This Week in Games, PUBG goes after its mobile clones, Amazon officially axes Breakaway, and Eugen Systems finally enters labor courts. This Week in Games. Games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and I will cover all the game industry news for the last seven days. And this week has been a pretty standard week, but we have a few surprises. And so let's jump right into it with the news. PUBG goes after mobile clones for copyright. So PUBG is going after Rules of Survival and Knives Out, both of which are mobile battleground games. Very, very, very similar to PUBG um, in graphical and gameplay experiences. Um, PUBG is going after them specifically for copyright, and let's break down a number of, uh, I guess, similarities that they think infringe on their copyright. They have air jumping, parachuting into the play area, the map of Gel, reviving fallen teammates, the quote-unquote boost meter, and players' ability to run around like an Egypt in the pre-game lobby. The use of frying pan and the phrase winner, winner, chicken dinner. Now, a few of these I could maybe see a possible case like winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, That's associated with PUBG. However, that's a pretty old phrase. Use of a frying pan. I don't know. Probably not going to get that. Things like air jumping and reviving teammates and so on and so on. PUBG didn't invent any of these. And, you know, you really have to question what the strategy is. So this is a pretty major lawsuit, as many of you know. Um, and maybe you don't know, copyright um, laws have pretty much never supported video games when it comes to similarities, especially when it's gameplay. So unless you outright stole audio or visuals or you outright created Mario, um, you're not going to win a copyright lawsuit, especially when it comes to video games. And since I can't see PUBG actually winning, and I'm pretty sure PUBG doesn't think it's going to win, I think maybe this is either some kind of strong arm for a settlement or maybe PUBG thinks with its current financial success they can you know, bleed these mobile games through long drawn out litigation. I don't know, but we'll have to keep up and see what happens. Um, I mean, if anything, PUBG should try to jump on mobile as fast as possible because um, Fortnite's killing it right now. So next up, we have an update from a story that we've been covering for a little over a month now, Eugen Systems developers are now proceeding to labor court. So after six weeks of strike, the French developers at Eugen Systems will go to French labor court. As reported a month and a half ago, Eugen employees have gone on strike due to circumvention of minimum wage laws, neglecting compensation for developers for overtime, and refusal to recognize contractual obligations. Reports state that the plaintiffs are made up of about 15 former and current Eugen System employees. Um, with all the talks of unionizing, creating associations, and strikes in the game industry, uh, this team of French developers could set a pres- precedence, at least for the European region. So maybe they win. Maybe then other developers who have been wronged now have a chance to speak up and win. Uh, I mean, sure, they're just in the French labor courts, but I'm pretty sure other game companies maybe are able to leverage this and win their battles. I don't know. 
this will be an interesting one to follow. Um, I likely will will see it uh, settle outside of court for an undisclosed amount, and we'll never hear from it again. But maybe Eugen System wants to fight their employees in labor court, and then we get to see a long, drawn-out litigation and uh, precedent set with a verdict. We'll have to see. Um, next up, Amazon officially cancels Breakaway. Okay, for those you don't know, Amazon Game Studios, um, they have three different studios in three areas of the West Coast, and there's three games they're working on. So one of them's a team-based shooter, one of them's a sandbox MMORPG, and one of them was the sports fantasy game Breakaway that... I don't know. It kind of looked like some kind of cross between a MOBA and a ball sport like basketball or soccer. And it took place, I think, on a pirate ship. Um, Anyways, after rumors that the game had been internally canceled, those rumors, which were started on Reddit, um, have been made official. Amazon cancels the game. The team-based fantasy sports game was in alpha when the decision was made. From my own perspective and from other people, I would just assume that the game watching it, watching people play it on Twitch, it looked very boring. It didn't seem to have a crazy amount of depth. It wasn't very exciting to watch. And it was very hard to follow for someone like, let's say you were just flipping through Twitch and you saw this game. It had like combat and then it had a ball and then you had to score and there's all this stuff going on. Wasn't very friend 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 <laughs> fan friendly. It wasn't like you know you watch Street Fighter. You might not know anything about Street Fighter, but you know one character is hitting the other character and a meter's going down. And when that meter hits zero, the one character hitting the other character wins, right? Or you watch Rocket League and you can just assume they're trying to hit the ball in the net, like soccer. Maybe you watch Counter Strike. People are just shooting each other. I mean, those games are pretty easy to follow. This was not, and. Uh, Yeah, they're still working on their other two major projects, the team-based shooter and the sandbox MMO. And the teams at the Amazon Game Studios who are working on Breakaway will also focus on other projects, which also may mean projects that aren't those two other games. And we'll just have to see when Amazon or if Amazon ever releases a game out of their game studios. Next up. Um, Niantic will settle their Pokemon Go Fest lawsuit. Now, this is just a quick news, but basically there's a class action lawsuit against Pokemon Go creator Niantic for the Pokemon Go Festival in Chicago. For those who don't remember, this festival um, ended up being a logistical nightmare for a number of reasons, things like no cell phone service, uh, tickets were being scalped for up to $500 when originally they cost, I don't know, like $60 or $70 and so on and so on. There's just a lot of problems with this. Niantic is settling with the class action lawsuit and they're refunding travel and expenses for those involved in the class action lawsuit. And then I think if you went to the festival, you may also receive credits in game for just the crappy experience you receive while going to the festival. You'll have to check that in, check that up on your own, but look into it. Um, if you ended up going to that Chicago festival. Next up, Monolith removes loot boxes from Middle Earth Shadow War. <laughs> Monolith, come on. In an interesting move, Monolith decides to remove loot boxes because they, quote, undermine the heart of the game. That's pretty interesting because when the game was selling and everyone was playing it, 
you left loot boxes in. Now, I don't know whether to blame Monolith or blame maybe some kind of publisher or someone was in charge and forced them to do it. However, doing a move like this after your game has stopped selling just seems like a kind of half-hearted PR stunt on Monolith's side because no one's playing Shadows, Shadow of War Middle-Earth and uh, now you decide to remove loot boxes. It's kind of like a casino that people stop going to and then the casino now raises the odds. You know, I, that's not even a good example because people could just go make money on the casino. Whereas I think once people leave games like this, no one's going to go back because maybe they were playing it because it was hot and new or their friends were playing it and they could talk to them about it. I don't know. seems like a half-hearted PR stunt, but sure, Monolith. Maybe if your next game releases without loot boxes or without in-app purchases, then I'll cover it in a great light. <laughs> so next we have Blizzard announces an all-access pass for the Overwatch League. This is a pretty strange move. So Blizzard is creating this all-access, basically a VIP pass for the Overwatch League, and they claim it's for their super fans. So a $30 pass will grant you VIP access for the entire season that basically just sums up the chat badges and uh, behind-the-scenes experience, which is extra videos. I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Overwatch League and its popularity and what its fans are craving, but this doesn't really seem like, you know, a way to engage with super fans. You know, just giving someone Twitch badges and a behind-the-scenes video, that's not what I would imagine super fans of anything like. Maybe they should model the all-access pass after, like, the UFC or WWE's uh, program where you can then replay matches and search and just tons and tons and tons of uh, video features. Have your own, like, all-access pass on Roku and other streaming services. That would be more of a move. This seems half-hearted, but we'll see if Overwatch fans bite. So next we have Apple... Apple's App Store for the iOS, the number of releases have dropped for the first time since 2008. So this is an interesting story. Basically, App Store releases fell 29% year-over-year this year. Now, why is that? Because Apple has cracked down on clone or copied game releases. So, so many clone or copied games are released on the App Store. And Apple finally put their foot down and cracked down on that. And uh, App Store releases fell 29%. So this is a great job, Apple. I hope Google follows your footsteps and does the same. And we need to just kind of stop supporting that practice altogether. Basically, one thing you see is like people will release trailers for upcoming mobile games and some team somewhere else will rush out, try to buy as much of the name for that mobile game's like the name of the game, try to buy the web, the website, the Twitter handle, anything they can, and then rush out a copy of the game based on the trailer as fast as possible. And mobile games are a commodity, but this is pretty shady, and it's really up to the platform holders to stop this, and it's good to see Apple taking a step in that direction. And finally, we have another update from a previous story. So this is due to GamerX, which is spelled G-A-Y-M-E-R, capital X. So GamerX is a, a kind of all-inclusive gaming convention. GamerX cuts ties with Midboss. So following the wake of accusation against the Midboss CEO, Matt Kahn, 
the LGBTQ gaming convention has cut all ties with Midboss. This is pretty bad when the president of a really inclusive convention turns out to be a scumbag. And hopefully this convention and gaming experience and movement for all inclusiveness in the game industry can continue without him. And just remember to mark Matt Kahn on your list of guys to never work with. So let's get to the business news. And I've been following this for a while. And we have some official stats on the VRAR Gold Rush. And that stat is officially in full swing. So basically... In the last 12 months, $3.6 billion has been raised, billion, for VR and AR uh, companies. So the research firm DigiCapital has reported that VR and AR financing has never been better. Once again, I said $3.6 billion raised over the last 12 months, and $750 million of that has been raised in the first three months of 2018. So the interesting part about this is that games only accounted for 10% of this fundraising. And even more interesting, Improbable Games with their Spatial OS raised an astounding $502 million over those 12 months, and... They uh, represent the number one um, kind of game-related fundraising of that amount. Now, I don't think Improbable Games is counted as a game company because their spatial OS is a, technically an SDK and platform. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. I don't know why they're reporting only 10%. Games only count it for 10% of that fundraising. That's probably why. So Improbable Games and Spatial OS... Um, listed as an SDK and platform. Still crazy. They've raised $502 million. That's absurd. Um, yeah, if you want to start a company, and even if it doesn't have anything to do with AR and VR, just shove AR and VR into the name of the company somewhere, and you'll probably raise money. Next up, <laughs> Warner Brothers is now publishing the Hitman series. So IO Interactive, they're the people who make the Hitman series, had a split from Square Enix in 2017. I believe it was sometime around August. Within the split, they bought out kind of also ownership of the Hitman series back. So they then owned it again, and they were looking for a top publisher to publish Hitman Definitive Edition. They found that. Warner Brothers will now be publishing that, and we'll see if Warner Brothers will continue as their publisher in the future. All right, now we got Fortnite news. Fortnite owns, Fortnite earns, sorry about that, earns over $15 million in less than a month. So since the launch in mid-March, Fortnite has only not, not only occupied the top download spot on iOS and Android, but also generated $15 million in revenue. More insane on that is most of this period, Fortnite was an invite-only game, which required a code to access the game. So most of that money raised was during an invite-only period. Since the invite-only period has been lifted so everyone can play, the daily revenue has risen to $1.8 million. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of trend starts from this. Basically, the trend being that higher A, higher uh, AAA companies will come to mobile and kind of just dominate, and it's harder for people to make clones of Fortnite because of the quality of the servers, the production values, the art, how well it runs on mobile uh, phones, and kind of just take over the mobile industry. 
you know, if you look at a lot of the top mobile games now, it'd be very easy to clone, very fast and cheap to clone. However, for you to clone Fortnite, I don't see that happening to that quality of level. Even when you look at like Fortnite compared to what I mentioned earlier, Rules of Survival and Nines, Knives Out, Fortnite looks better, plays better, plays smoother, um, and it's just a better game. And even those games weren't cheap. So maybe we'll start to see, you know, finally quality mobile games that aren't, um, you know, aren't just derivative of borderline gambling like casino games. We'll see this tier of uh, AAA mobile games pop up. Maybe not. We'll have to see what happens. Ubisoft opens a Winnipeg studio, and this studio is to support existing games by working on tools and technology for their immersive world. So this is more of a support studio, probably just a technical support studio. Ubisoft drops $35 million on this new studio and hopes to create 100 new jobs in Winnipeg. The studio will be led by Far Cry 5 producer Daryl Long. So interesting. Ubisoft expanding. All right. Finally, Boss Key Key will no longer work on Lawbreakers. They're going to move on to other projects. So Cliffy B started North Carolina, my home state, North Carolina-based Boss Key, and they will support the game Lawbreakers in its current state, but no longer develop for it. So no longer make new content, no longer, you know, whatever. But they'll still support it in its current state, probably just fix bugs, maybe have some kind of event cadence. The publisher Nexon blames the underperformance of Lawbreakers on PUBG's surprise popularity. So if you remember, Lawbreakers is a very like acrobatic um, shooter, kind of like an arena shooter. And it came out right as the PUBG kind of uh, battle royale craze really started taking off. And Lawbreakers was just buried. But I will say this, um, good move by Boss Key. You got to drop Lawbreakers. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. However, all other team or arena-based shooters should go play Lawbreakers and really look at some of the amazing moving mechanics in that game. Um, You know, some of the characters you can say, okay, this feels like X, Y, and Z from Overwatch, but some of them feel very unique. And I will say Lawbreakers probably had from what I watched and played, had one of the highest ceilings from any, for any first-person shooter. So if you're interested in th- those types of games, go check out Lawbreakers just for those mechanics and put them in your game because they're not in any top game played right now. All right, let's get on to People News. Legendary designer and writer Hidenori Shibao has passed away. So he is best known for writing and directing the RPG Paladin's Quest and all of its sequels on the Super Nintendo, as well as creating the original concept for Legend of Lagaya on PlayStation. I remember Legend of, La- Legend of Lagaya pretty well. It was kind of the... You, you remember all PlayStation had all those uh, Japanese RPGs, but most of them were turn-based. You see your team line up on one side. You see the monsters line up the other. Legend of Lagaya wasn't quite like that because instead of choosing attack, magic, or whatever from a menu, you actually input it punches and kicks and other things, and then inputting them in a certain order would do special attacks or spells or other things. And so it was a very interesting system where you're doing combos on the other people 
kind of like with left punch, right punch, high kick, low kick, and all this other stuff. And then depending on the combos you did, could do special attacks. Very interesting game, had a pretty good storyline. Uh, sad to hear that this guy passed away. He was only 56 years old at the time of being passed away. So that's unfortunate. Next up, fantastic arcade board member, Brandon Boyer is dismissed. So we're going to mark this person on our probably shouldn't work with list. Former IGF chair, Brandon Boyer was dismissed from the Austin-based nonprofit Juegus Rancheros. They're the ones who um, run Fantastic Arcade in Austin. And the other chairs released a statement on Brandon Boyer's dismissal. Quote, We have been made aware of several concerns regarding Brandon Boyer's conduct in our community. And that's what led to his dismissal. Once again, add him to the list of people probably should avoid. And finally, this is a pretty uh, weird news piece considering what's going on with the company, and that's Twitch undergoes layoffs. So this is very strange. So the streaming giant, which is now owned by Amazon Twitch, claims that they overhired and are adjusting and are adjusting with a layoff round, and it's rumored to be about 25 employees. So that's very weird because the next part of the story is what I knew from reading other news, and that to counter the news of the layoff, Twitch also stated that they plan on increasing headcount by 30% in the coming year. That's strange. You just laid off 25 people. Twitch, what, is estimated to have like 1,200 employees, and you're going to increase that headcount by... 30%, so you're going to add another 400, 300 to 400 employees onto your 1,200 employees, but you just laid off 25. That's crazy. Um, and I know they just, they're buying or just bought a new building in San Francisco, and they're looking to consolidate a lot of their uh, workspace into one main central place. So once again, pretty strange that they laid off 25 people, especially with all the hiring, but that's the news. So... We'll get to the final piece. This is this week in my gaming. And to continue me playing indie games or, you know, not AAA games that I missed, I'm going to play, or I did play, this year's, uh, one of this year's, like, indie darlings, and that's Garogula. So this game is a very, very, very interesting game. It was released in 2017, developed by Jason Roberts. However, he started development in 2011, so six years ago, and actually won Indicate Awards in 2013. And then in those four years, he actually redid the game and parts of the game so many times, and then it's finally released now. So this game won numerous awards, but the I guess the highlighter awards are the GDC Awards for Best Mobile Game and the Innovation Award. That's a big one if you win the Innovation Award at GDC. So it's kind of in similar fashion to Framed if you ever played that game. Garogoa is a four-panel puzzle game. And essentially, the screen is divided into four squares. You can highlight one square to visually look at it better if you need that. But each square contains a scene. Scenes can be interacted with in a number of ways, including zooming in, zooming out. Um, combining them together, traversing, traversing them left, right, up, and down, and also separating scene, one scene into two scenes. So those are the basic interactions, and you just have four panels to work with. 
However, this game is completely surreal. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's probably one of the most ingenious puzzle games. It might be the most ingenious puzzle game I ever played. There's tons of mechanics and tons of, like, oh gosh, I can't even describe it. Tons of mind-bending kind of, like, interactions that just come to you naturally. And, yeah, the game is absolutely beautiful. Um, I think everything was hand-drawn by Jason. And a lot of people praise the art, but really the puzzles are where the game shines. And so, once again, I listed the interactions you can do, but it's very, very complicated. So, maybe you have a scene that you can go in and out and touch like five objects in the scene. That's only one of four scenes. And then you, you have to choose to separate it. You have to choose to combine it with the other scenes. You have to choose to line up scenes in certain orders so things can play out. Um, and then every now and then you're reading books or other things that kind of give you hints on how you're going to solve this puzzle. And it feels very natural. And you don't really feel like, oh, God, I'm stuck. Like, you know, um, let's see. The original Icos, I think is a game where like I felt like playing it like I got stuck on a puzzle and I was like well I'm stuck this sucks and nothing was coming to me but Kurogawa like the scenes are small enough and kind of like the puzzles are small enough so whatever new interaction or new like way to solve a puzzle is getting introduced to you you discover it naturally because there's only so many ways you can interact with these four panel scenes it's very, very, very good, and it's only $5 on iOS and Android, and I recommend picking it up. Everyone pick it up. However, if you want to play it on Steam, Nintendo Switch, or other platforms, it's on there, but I believe the price might be higher on those other platforms. So pick it up on Android or iOS. Grogua, everyone should get it. Um, yeah, and let me know if you like it. All right, I'm Eric McConnell. That's it for This Week in Games. See you next week.